Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. It's great to see you all here today. Thanks for coming to worship with us. We're here today to celebrate what Jesus Christ has accomplished through His resurrection. And so we're, we're really glad that you came to celebrate that with us. Uh, if you were here for the very first time today, again, we just want to welcome you. And our staff will be back at the guest and information table. We would love to give you that gift that, that John mentioned uh, just for being here. And so we'd love to greet you if you just stop by on, on your way out the doors. If you're a regular part of the OCC family, I just want to ask you if you would just give our guests a chance before stopping by to visit or if you have a question for our staff, if you would just give our staff just a few minutes so we can greet all of our guests, we would greatly appreciate that. And so, you know, I wanted to pray before we launch into the message this morning, turn on the news, or I pulled up the news this morning and I just, there's just so much going on in our world that <clears throat> there's a lot of tension all around. And so I want to pray and let's just pray for situations our, our country's involved in and just wisdom for our leaders and protection. So let's pray right now. Father, we just thank you for your great love for us and your great care for the world. Father, we, we know that you are uh, Lord over all the universe and you you made everyone and everything. And so God, we, we pray right now that you would uh, you would help us to trust in you, God. With all the events in our world, there's a lot of tension around our world. There's a lot of conflict in our world, and so God and our our country is engaged uh, in, in several situations. They're very volatile. So God, right now we just lift up our leaders. We pray for them right now. We pray for the leaders in Washington. We pray for unity. Uh, in order that we might, as a country, be able to do what is most helpful. And we pray for the wise choices and the right timing. And God, we pray for our troops that are uh, on the ground in different places in the Middle East and in different areas, God, in the world where there's conflict in Asia. And God, we just pray right now that you'd protect our troops. We pray your blessing over them. We thank you so much for their service and their sacrifice. We pray for their families back at home. Would you comfort them, God, as as, as a country, as we walk through so many different challenging uh, uh, conflicts right now. We, we especially ask for wisdom right now for the leaders, for those that are making decisions. God, would you use this for good, Lord, around the world? Would you use it for bringing justice, Lord, and, and peace, Lord, in places? And would you? We we just trust that you you'll. You are working out your plans, God. And we know, God, in, in intention, God, many times we find ourselves more open to you, more drawn to you. And so, God, we pray that would be the case, not just in our hearts, but even around the world, Lord. We pray that you would open up people to your truth and, and the good news of Jesus today, Lord. We pray for just many people to uh, that you'd speak to their hearts, even here and now, God, as we, as we look into your word. Would you show us things you want us to hear? We ask for that in your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're, we're starting a brand new series called Aftermath. It's a, it's a series of messages that will be in for about four weeks. And the word aftermath, it means this up here on the screen. Aftermath is the consequences or the after effects of a significant, unpleasant event. Now, we've all seen pictures of the aftermath of natural disasters. Uh, here's one picture, like this small town in Italy, uh, rocked by an earthquake. Do you see the before and the after of the same street. This was an earthquake there in 2016. You see the rubble. You see the buildings have collapsed. And you can just imagine the devastation from this earthquake. Here's another picture. This is a picture of New Orleans. You might be uh, familiar with this picture. 
This is before Hurricane Katrina and then the aftermath in downtown New Orleans in 2005. Not, you know, not too long ago as levees broke and just waters rose and just many lives lost. Again, devastation. The word aftermath typically is a somber word. Okay? It's a somber word because aftermath usually is linked to tragedy. It's linked, it's linked to difficulty. It's linked to pain. And so, but, but in our lives, the truth is we've all lived through aftermath. We've all experienced some things in life that has been disastrous. And in fact, you might be here today and you might be in the most difficult season of your life today. And you might be feeling like you're drowning as a parent. Or maybe you're discouraged as a parent. Or maybe in your relationship to your spouse, you just feel like you're miles apart and you feel like you're just losing touch. Or maybe you're here and you've, you've walked through a very painful divorce or separation and, and the pain continues and it's, it's not okay. And maybe the aftermath in your life isn't tied to relationships. Maybe it's more a financial aftermath where there's, where there's just financial uh, debt and, and struggle. Maybe it's your career and just some, some things you found out about your career or just the place you're in your career. It's just you're really dealing with some difficult things right now. And I know some here are grieving because of loss. Or maybe you're here and there's an addiction that just keeps gripping you and you can't seem to break free. And sometimes we, we, we bring these types of things to church and the very last thing on our mind is celebration. And Easter is, is a celebration, but maybe for you you're thinking, that's the last thing on my mind. I'm here, I was invited here, or, or I, I feel like I should be here, but, that, but I'm, I'm not okay. I'm not, I'm not all that joyous right now. And the story today that we're looking at is of a man that I think we can all relate to. He was a man whose hopes were shattered Really to pieces. He's really devastated. And so you've come on the right day if, if you find yourself discouraged, if you're doubtful, if you're, if you're even tired. And today we're going to look at the Easter story. We're going to look at it through a certain lens though and, and see how it is exactly what we need in our life. When we're living in the aftermath, that is exactly the place where Jesus meets us. And so you should see there's a listening guide in your program. And so if you pull out this listening guide, you find it in your program. If you take this out, if you like, you can follow along. You'll see some of the verses on here that flow with the verses up on the screen that I'll be covering. At the top, though, you see this line. And we'll fill in this first blank. In the aftermath of life's events, Jesus steps in to bring hope. Jesus steps in to bring hope. Now, before Jesus died on the cross, before the cross, His followers, His disciples, who I want to look at their lives, and specifically one of them, but... The disciples had, they had left everything in their lives to follow Jesus. They, they dropped their nets, they left their jobs, they, they ventured out to follow Jesus, and they put their hopes in Him. And they, they saw amazing things. And so when Jesus died on the cross, they had imagined a totally different outcome than that. They were not expecting the cross. They were not expecting to see their leader crucified on a cross. They'd seen the opposite. The week before, Jesus rode into Jerusalem and people were hailing Him as King. Some people were treating Him as royalty. And the disciples, Jesus' followers, had witnessed the miracles that Jesus had performed. They'd witnessed the healings. They, had, they saw multitudes and multitudes of crowds flocking to hear Jesus as He would teach. I mean, they were like on top of the world because these are Jesus' closest followers. And so their leader is like, He's the champ. But then everything changed. Jesus is arrested. 
He's praying with his closest followers in the garden, praying for strength because he knows he's about to go to the cross because this is part of God's plan to redeem the world. People come, they arrest him, false, false charges are brought against Jesus. He's tried, he is beaten, and then he's executed. And from their perspective, all of their hopes died with Jesus. And all their hopes died. This was their aftermath that they were living through. Everything that they thought, it just was shaken and shattered to pieces. But then, another turn. Reports began to flow in that Jesus' body is not found in the tomb. It wasn't in the tomb. And there was rumblings of a resurrection that began to circulate. And then the appearances began first to the women, then to Jesus' closest followers. And then the passage I want to look at is one of those encounters where Jesus appears to a man who struggled especially with doubt. If you struggle with doubt, Thomas, he's somebody we can relate to. Thomas was a guy, we call him the doubter, doubting Thomas, who most of us could identify with because like the rest of us, Thomas thought that seeing was believing. He thought, I saw him die, so he's dead. And even though reports of Jesus' resurrection were starting to circulate, Thomas thought, seeing is believing. Thomas had a tendency to look only into the darkest corners of life. He seemed to kind of anticipate the worst case scenario, not just in this scene, but if you back up and see some of Thomas's challenges, this is the same pattern. He struggled with doubts. He struggled with fears. And so here's the encounter. This is found in John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. It reads this. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, one of the twelve disciples, called. he was called the twin because he had a twin. He was not with them when Jesus came. So what he's saying is, and Jesus, when he, Jesus appeared resurrected to the to the disciples, Jesus wasn't there. Or Thomas wasn't there. He didn't see the risen Christ like the other disciples. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. You know, seeing was believing for Thomas. Thomas, he, he, like many of us, he wanted bodily proof of Jesus' risen state. I mean, I don't know how many of you would, would just have trusted that, you know, from just a few appearances, if you would have been like Thomas, or you would have been like, oh, I believe. But Thomas, he, no, unless I, unless I can touch the wounds and, and, and see that he's flesh and blood, I, I will never believe. Thomas is sometimes referred to as kind of the Eeyore. He's like the Eeyore in the Winnie the Pooh series. Remember Eeyore? You know, if you don't like my gift, you can take it back, you know. It'll be, it'll never get better. I mean, that, that was kind of Thomas's pattern. And it's not really clear why Thomas wasn't with the disciples. But quite possibly after Jesus' death, he just wanted to be alone. It wasn't that he didn't, you know, he wasn't as committed. He just, he wanted to be alone. He was isolating himself Whereas the other disciples were together, Thomas was, he was probably just in complete sorrow. He was shattered. This was devastating. Now look at what happens. Verse 26. Eight days later, the disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, he moves directly to Thomas, Put your finger here. And see my hands, and put out your hand, and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Jesus gave Thomas the proof that he, that he really needed. And Thomas, 
He answered. Look at verse 28. Thomas answered him. And he said, My Lord and my God. Suddenly, Thomas makes this huge shift from the doubter who's in despair to a person who's been transformed. In that very moment, he says, My Lord, my God. That's a huge statement to give Jesus those titles. Jesus is God. He's my Lord. He's my Master. I'm making a shift here. Now, Jesus said this to him. Verse 29. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is this encounter here is a great picture of God's kindness. It's a great picture of God's kindness. And, and God, He meets us right where we are. He meets us right where we are. He knew what Thomas needed and He met him right there. Thomas and the other disciples, they were absolutely convinced that Jesus was the hope of the world. And... We're going to share a song with you. We want to invite you to listen to this song. And imagine what it must have been like for Jesus' disciples during His final days. I was with Him When He rode into town And the crowds gathered round him like a king The smiling faces Joined a sea of branches waving Though they were masquerading in the end And my heart rose in my When I heard them sing, Hosanna, in the highest, oh, the bread and drank the wine from the only living vine that we would taste and I watched them take him up the mountainside where he was crucified though innocent and they mocked him and they cursed him with their mouths And they told him to come down if he was God And my heart broke in my chest When I heard him say For
three days later, we found an empty grave, and the stone was rolled away where he'd been. And tears of joy streamed down my face before the angel said. Those eyewitnesses, those disciples and those, those women that were there, the people who saw the risen Christ, they turned their world completely upside down. And the message of Jesus moved out from Jerusalem, from that city, to the nearby regions, the outer regions, and eventually all the way to the heart of the Roman Empire to where then the message would really flow powerfully to the rest of the world. Ancient testimony suggests that, that Thomas, this doubting disciple who, who declares, my Lord and my God, he, he carried the message of Jesus as far to the east as India. And here's a, a picture of a memorial shrine to Thomas in a town called Mylapore in India, where Thomas is said to have been, to said to be buried beneath this cathedral. And there are some churches in southern India that actually trace their roots to the ministry of Thomas and to the fact that he pioneered this work east. And all of these disciples, uh, you know, really sacrificed. Thomas was one of them. He was eventually martyred for his faith by being run through with a spear. Now, why would anybody do that? Thomas willingly suffered for his faith, as did most of the other disciples, willingly martyred for their faith. And that sacrifice and that commitment shows the depth of their conviction. They really believed, and Thomas believed, that Jesus really did rise from the grave. And Thomas was willing to stake his life on it and suffer and eventually die for that conviction as he took the message of Jesus to people that did not know. Now, hope was restored, even for a doubter like Thomas. And that that hope can be yours as well. I want you to flip to the back of this listening guide. When we believe in Jesus, everything changes. And I want to to flesh this idea out. When we believe in Jesus, personally, everything changes. Since 2007... As a church, we've existed here in this part of Riverside. And we have people that come from the city of Paris, city of Reno Valley. We have people that come, we've had people that have come from Corona, parts, different parts of Riverside. Some people that come even further away. 
And, and we have existed here to help all people in this area to know Jesus Christ and to trust in Him and become fully devoted followers of Him. The following, the way that Thomas followed Christ, the way the disciples followed Christ, is what we're committed to help people do. You know, how, how do we devote our lives to Jesus Christ in that way? We want to take a few minutes to highlight some people who've experienced life change as adults. And I want to, I want to share their stories on video. And these are folks that, that as adults committed their lives to Christ here. Uh, some as many as seven years ago. And then, uh, one, uh, more recent, even, even one year ago. And so let, let's, let's roll this, uh, these stories. My name's Danny, this is my wife Cindy. We have three kids and we've been part of OCC for about seven years now. My name's Mario, uh, this is my wife Viviana, this is Mila, our latest addition, and we have three kids together and we've been with OCC for two years. I'm Wendy, I'm married, I have two small children, and I've been at OCC for a little over a year now. In my mind, I mean, the first time we went, it was just to see our nieces perform, so not not expecting anything at all. And then I started thinking, this would be really good for my my girls. Um, you know, the guidance and the values that they're that I, that I want them to learn. So I kept thinking, for my girls, I'm going to come. I'm not expecting it to make such an impact on me and our and us. Yeah, that that first uh, uh, it was a Christmas service, and I mean, obviously the pr- purpose of we were there was to see our nieces perform. Our girls were super excited, but at that time things were so rough between us that we weren't even like on speaking terms. But uh, something something spoke to us, and look at us now, <laughs> their baby and everything. I had shared with Cindy um, just some struggles I had been having at the time, and she invited me to OCC, and I had said, no, you know, no thanks, pass, that's just not um, what I'm looking for, I'm not interested in Christianity, you know, I just wasn't in a place where I wanted that in my life, you know. Um, and I even ditched her a couple of times, where I said I would come, and then, ooh, I slept in, ooh, the kids, you know, I blamed it on everybody. Um, and I remember having this um, difficult conversation with my husband about time. We were down to like one day a week seeing each other because our schedules were so busy and we were wasting that time. And um, the service I ended up coming to, um, I was in the middle of the message series and I remember thinking like, great, I'm going to be so lost because I had missed, you know. And um, the pastor spoke about time. What are you doing with your time? Are you doing what God wants with your time? And I very clearly remember he took out his phone and um, that's what we were wasting our time on at the time. You know, wasting our time on our phones and um, it was this very real feeling of God waking me up. This is for you. You pay attention. You need to hear this. You know. It's just so... I I didn't know if I needed Christianity in my life, but I need I knew I needed something because there was a lot of things. Um, there was tension in our marriage, and I had just had a miscarriage. So those two things, I was like, 
I felt like I was seeking answers. And so I came looking um, for something, but I wasn't sure what. Early on, you know, when we first decided to join, uh, you know, seeing that we were having some tension in our marriage, um, and uh, I just really wanted some guidance, some uh, some positive reinforcement, people to surround me, to just let you know that you're not alone. So we started attending around January and uh, around August. In August, I committed my life, and so about seven months. Now it's a month later. We, after we had been attending OCC, we started in December, and I um, made it the Lord of the Boss of my life February. It was about two months after. And I decided in April. I started OCC late February, and by mid-March, about six weeks, um, we came to Christ on Good Friday. I think the most significant change for me has been that I'm slowly building a stronger foundation of like my role as a man, as a husband, as a father, um, as you know, friend, you know, and how to manage relationships better, better, just overall, um, which is something I needed a lot of help with, and. And a lot of that has to do with like our life groups or um, um, more star, you know, getting being involved with the church and just being around like a lot of people that that have my best interest in mind and and support and you know and help you know all have a common goal, you know, and so. It's life, life that I never even knew existed. You know, I have people that actually care and support each other and serve each other, and, and you know, have your, you know, like I said, have your best interest in mind. So for me, um, one of the biggest impacts has been on my relationship with others and my perspective on forgiveness, specifically because before I struggled to forgive especially if someone wasn't asking for forgiveness and now um, I don't need that I don't need them to ask me for forgiveness and that change in perspective has made such an impact on my relationship with my kids with my husband with with any everyone around for me I think before coming to Christ there was a very real loneliness and emptiness and um, not to say that the life I had wasn't great I had you know husband children all that but um, there was a loneliness in me and I I, I didn't know I wasn't f- fulfilled and, until I accepted Christ and having Christ has really changed that for me and I understand um, you know expectations better um, I'm able to manage relationships so much better um, since coming Christian I think one of my um, I feel like my biggest changes is having more of a like mental hopeful perspective and I just say that 
because I feel like um, before I used to struggle a lot with, I guess we would call it enemy thoughts, like things are like people don't like me or what am I doing wrong or like I'm not a good mom or just and being that I was home I think a lot of that stuff would like I didn't have anyone to talk to so having like more of guidance with having a relationship with Jesus and God and then also having um, basically relationships and people to guide me because I feel like even now when there's times that I start getting kind of in that then that spot there's always um, moments that somebody reels me out friends just something happens they're like hey let's hang out let's talk how are you doing and um, and so I feel like I don't I don't think I don't think as deep for me uh I think best word to describe is patience. Um, well, as people might not know, I have a really bad temper. So, um, but I think patience uh, has really helped me with uh, with my relationship with my wife, my kids. You gotta have a lot of patience for the little ones. Uh, seeing my daughter, my oldest daughter, Olivia, come to Christ uh, not too long ago now, um, less than a year. Uh, just been a just that proud dad moment that you have, you know, when that happens. It's just uh, one of the best feelings. You know the the story, the backstory. We had about forty five minutes that we recorded with those individuals, and and the backstory is that Danny and Cindy Mel, though a couple off to the left, about about eight years ago, put a ad on Craigslist. Looking for a renter to, you know, for someone to rent the back house, their their back house, and so, and you know, not by accident, Bruce and Aaron Wood, a young family, young married couple from our church in their early twenties at that time, answered that request, moved in there, began to share their life with them, just get to know them as friends, and began to share their faith, and introduced the mellows to our church family through some events and through some gatherings and hanging out and just began to clarify and then about seven months later Danny was the first to commit his life to Christ you saw him getting baptized we were actually as a church at that time we were uh, much smaller and there was we we took a camping trip up to the mountains the local mountains and he wanted to get baptized in the creek and uh, and he he said you know we had a shovel and so we had to dig we had to dig the creek out deeper to get him under that water. And so he dug his own, I think, you know, area. And we got in there and it was frigid. It was just really chilly because it was all the snow runoff, you know, and melt. And so, but, uh, he wanted to do that. And so we celebrated that. And then a couple months later, his, or I think a month later, his wife. And then, uh, and then years later, uh, Cindy, her brother Mario, who is the guy on the far end, that's her brother, he, you know, came here for a Christmas service with his wife. And they were in tension at that moment in their relationship. And then, again, not too much uh, later, they joined uh, a life group. And, and their life group leader, who happened to be the same guy that moved in uh, to the guest house, clarified the gospel with Mario. And he was ready to commit his life to Christ. And then about a year later, Wendy, who was a friend of Mario and Viviana's from, like, when they were 12, actually got reintroduced to Cindy. And full circle, just God brought her to our congregation and she committed her life to Christ last year, Good Friday. So God is at work in people's lives, bringing change. Each year, we have had the privilege of introducing more and more people, just like these, to Jesus Christ. And in in Jesus, you can experience a few things. Three I want to highlight. Number one is, you can experience in Jesus a new life. 
If you're looking for a new life, you can find that in Christ. After Thomas's story, here's the words that we read. Right after, after John writes about what happened with Thomas, we read these words. John 20, verse 30 says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. There was all sorts of miracles. There was 35 recorded miracles in the Bible of Jesus that he did. But then he says, but these are written, meaning these signs, these miracles, these ones are written so that, and this gives you a clue as to the purpose of John's book in the Bible, is this. These were written so you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. This word believe here is different from the way we typically understand the word believe. The word believe in the Bible in the Greek language, is, is more than just an academic head knowledge. It's actually a personal trust. In other words, I trust in the things that I believe. I rely on these things with my whole life. It's like you're, uh, it's like you're leaning on these things to support you. That's belief. It's that kind of belief. I trust in, I rely on Jesus. And through His death and, and His resurrection, I trust that I'm going to experience a new life in Him. Those stories that you just heard, These are people who are no longer leaning on their own good works to save them. They are no longer trying to just become better people. Sometimes people go to church and they're 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 on a journey of trying to become a better person. Well, that's not going to be good enough. All those folks and many of us here have discovered, I'm just not good enough to put a life together on my own. I need some outside help. And so these folks on the video, they're they no longer trying to just be better people. They have put their trust in Jesus Christ to save them. And they've been raised to a new life. God has preserved for us in His Word, the Bible, all of these different stories of life change and of new life and of hope so that we ourselves might believe in Him and receive a new life. The second thing is this. In Jesus, we obtain a new identity. We obtain a new identity. Our identity is a big deal. Your identity... Is who you are. That's who you really are, your identity. We're all very concerned about this issue of identity these days, too. We frequently hear about identity theft and protect your identity. You don't want to have mistaken identity. You don't want, you don't want somebody to steal your identity and charge up a bunch of things that you're going to be responsible for. People are having identity crisis. Spiritually, there's a major shift occurring in your identity if and when you put your trust in Jesus Christ. Colossians 1 speaks to this. Colossians 1 verse 13 and 14 says, He has delivered us, meaning God, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This identity shift that is being written about right here is the shift that occurs when a person becomes a Christian. It is the transfer. It's like the transfer of someone who was imprisoned in the in the dungeons of a castle, shackled by chains. It's the, it's the transfer of someone who has been set free from chains and allowed to become a part of the royal court. You're no longer in the dungeon in the kingdom. Now you're in the, the royal court. And so, in Christ, you can be forgiven. You no longer are guilty if you're in Christ. And in fact, you can experience the favor of the king forever. It's moving from the dungeon to the dining room and dining with the king. That's the picture that we get of this new identity of who you can be. And I've seen in some people such a dramatic life change. I've seen this identity shift in so many people in our church as people have yielded their lives to Christ. Some it's almost instantaneous. And some it's several years. But you see this move of a life change. As people understand how God sees them. 
And they begin to let go of, of the other things. They come alive. Chains are broken. This new identity really sets people free. Finally, when we believe in Jesus, we build a new perspective. We build a brand new perspective. A perspective is the way you see life. So we can begin to see a new, you know, we can see things in a new way. Paul wrote this to the same church in Colossians. He wrote this as a, as a statement of hope for them. So read this as if you can see. Paul's just, this is his hope for this church. He's basically saying, I hope that their hearts may be encouraged. Being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul wanted the Christians in the first century there in that church to really grasp the truth that all the treasures of wisdom are found in Jesus Christ. If you want to see life differently, you want a new perspective, there is a storehouse of wisdom that awaits for real life. For those people that trust Jesus with their life and believe in Him. I I hope it encourages you to hear these things. Because the reality is, when we follow Jesus, everything changes. And for the next several weeks, we'll see how following Jesus can bring real change. It doesn't mean that there won't be pain. It doesn't mean that there won't be loss. It doesn't mean that there won't be sickness. But... The perspective shift is what we need in order to deal with the aftermath. The new life is what we need in order to understand what this life is all about. The new identity is how we function as we learn to just relate differently with this new identity. And for the next several weeks, we're going to talk about what does that change look like. Next week, just a preview of the series, we're going to look at next week, setting the stage to grow in wisdom. We're going to focus on two key characteristics needed for wisdom to grow in our lives. And we find these in the Old Testament, wisdom uh, books of the Bible. The third week we're going to talk about how to become a more coachable, teachable person. Sometimes in life we just recycle the same old problems over and over. And it doesn't have to be that way. So we're going to look at how to, how to bring real change through being teachable, coachable. And then the last week of this series we're going to conclude by looking at how to ask the right questions in the middle of hard circumstances. And so if you're stuck in a rut right now, uh, this is going to help you to see how to climb out of it. God, God He wants us to respond to what He's done in Jesus so we can move beyond the aftermath. As I wrap up, I want to just highlight on this card, if you take out, if everyone take out this connection card, John uh, told you about this earlier, and so if you began filling this out, would you uh, finish filling this out if you haven't already? You can drop this card in the offering basket when it comes by in just a few minutes. But while you have it out, if you would flip to the back, I want to draw your attention to uh, something on the back. On the back left, it says next steps. And I want to encourage you to think through these next steps specifically. The first one is this. It's, for the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior and commit to follow Him as Lord. And if you if you are here today... And if you identified with Thomas, the doubting disciple, or maybe you identified with one of those people on the screen from that video who experienced life change, but you're sitting here today and you feel disconnected from God, you feel disconnected from your Creator, and you're ready to change, then here's, here's how to do that. You start by admitting that you're going your own way in life. And it's not working. And you just admit, God, I'm going my own way in life. And I'm trying to live life independent from you. The Bible calls that sin. The Bible actually says we've all sinned. We all fall short of God's glory. We've all 
charted our own course and gone our own way. And so the starting point to change is admitting, I'm going my own way in life. I'm a sinner. It's not working. And then if you're ready today to start going God's way, to get off this path and start going God's way, and if you're ready for life change and you're ready to shift from being the boss of your own life and really, hey, I'm ready to make Jesus the boss, the Lord of my life. Not just for a just for a phase, not just for you know a few weeks to see if He turns my life around, but I'm ready to, to walk the road with Jesus for the rest of my life. I'm ready to make that kind of change today. I'm ready to receive God's free gift of eternal life. Then we invite you to, to accept Jesus today. Easter Sunday. You can do that right now. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer and you can pray this along with me. If you've never committed your life to Christ and you, you would say, you know what, I, I'm ready to do this. I, I'm ready. Like those people, I see my story and, and I'm ready. Danny, one of the guys on that, on that video, some of the scenes he didn't, that, that we didn't share, he, he, he basically said, you know, one day I was, I was at dinner with Bruce, one of the men from our church, and, and I'm just, I've been coming around OCC for seven months, and Bruce said, hey, are you ready to commit your life to Christ? He said, I, I, I think so. And Bruce just said, well, what's holding you up? And he said, man, there's nothing. Let's do this. And he prayed right there with Bruce. The same scenario for Mario years later. And just, I can share several scenarios of people here that have committed their lives to Christ after they got really clear on what it is Christianity is all about. So I'd love to lead you in a prayer just to respond if, if that's uh, where you're at this morning. So would you just bow your head and just and pray with me. And you could just pray, God, I believe that you made the world. You made everything and you made everyone in it. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and he rose again. God, I admit that I'm a sinner and I am ready to turn away from my sin today and to turn towards you. God, I know I'm not going to be perfect, but I am repenting of my life of sin and I'm turning to you. God, I want you to be my leader. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be the boss of my life. And today, I accept your free gift of eternal life. And I want to thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you for making a way for me to know you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.